Geek Card presents Back Issue Bloodbath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. Is there a more wretched hive of scum and villainy than a comic book convention? Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And this week on Back Issue Bloodbath, we're kind of, I wouldn't say celebrating convention life or the, the life of a creator at a convention with our pick tonight, so much as. You know, just taking a glimpse into what it was like once upon a time for some creators. Uh, with our pick, Bad Weekend, the graphic novel collected edition of Criminal Issues 2 and 3 by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Uh, of course, the Criminal series ran throughout um, 2019, and in it there was multiple stories, but issues two and three were focused on a story that takes place at a convention. And they were both very popular issues, especially among the comic book reading crowd and the comic book writing and drawing crowd. And so the two were put together as a graphic novel, hardcover graphic novel, just in time for the San Diego Comic-Con that year. And it was released and it was a big deal. And it's one of the, the few shorter stories from the criminal series that is remembered. Usually, like, when people talk about criminal, they think about the much longer arcs. But this two-issue series that wrapped up nicely in the graphic novel, Bad Weekend, hold a place in comic fans' hearts. Petula, uh, you just got to read this recently. What would you think of it? I thought a lot of things. Mostly, primarily, what I want to know from Mr. Brubaker is how many other creators that they've worked with over the years think that he was low-key talking about them in the character of Hal Crane. Because it definitely, it's giving amalgam. It's so many of the stories that we've heard. Right. And or suspect or both about people, but it definitely feels like it reads easy, but it also feels a little bit like it wrote easy. Like it was a combination of different people and things they've done. Like this is kind of equal parts horrifying and believable for bad behavior. And I love it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely like the stories that you hear about, uh, creators as they got on in life and were bitter and also spending an entire career of just drawing in their house or drawing in a small studio lacks the social skills necessary to be a functioning person in society mixed with again the fact that publishers from back then and technically even publishers now they're cheating out the creators there so in this particular story it takes place in 1997 which is an interesting place to put the story because 1997 was heralded as it's the last year of comics comics are going out of business because the comic boom of 93 and 94 went bust in about late 95 and they tried to revive it in 96 with things like the amalgam universe and the dc versus marvel and all that which caused a short bump but did not keep like it did not stay the course and by 97 comic shops were closing barrel full pretty shortly after that marvel was uh, filing for chapter 11 bankruptcy but not because of the comic sales. I've said that before. It's because the uh, people in charge of the company decided to put all the money they made into junk bonds, which was the dumbest move ever. But <coughs> crypto. <laughs> but Marvel's collapse 
was uh, definitely, you know, a sign that the industry was not healthy at the time. And so this story takes place in 97 and a uh, comic creator who kind of stepped away from the biz, who was a former assistant of a comic great, has been asked to come to the big convention, which is basically supposed to be like San Diego Comic-Con, to be basically the handler of this elder statesman in comics, Hal Crane, an artist who was famous not only because of his work in the comics, but because he was the concept artist for a short-lived but beloved cartoon series that collectors are crazy about. And was involved in a tragic death situation yes, with yes. their mentor, Archie. Yes. Basically, Hal is a product of the business in the sense that he was taught something and he did it to others, but the person that was his mentor and treated him like crap did end up causing a fatal car accident that Hal was in the car for, but his mentor did not walk away from. So ominous things are around this man. He's quite the character. I mean... Yes, he is a victim of his old mentor and how the industry treats creator. On the other hand, he's, we've said it before on this pod, and I'm sure we'll say it again, hurt people, hurt people. He is as much is a victimizer, like doesn't learn, doesn't improve, becomes the worst of the stereotypes of the creepy old dude at the con if i had to decide to go to a con unmask now and take my chances with the vid the monkey con crud or this dude i would say give me a mixer pack of the other three like (laughs) (laughs) yeah no like when we're introduced to him at the convention at the hotel He's talking to a girl dressed up in the costume of the cartoon, which he did do the designs for. That's basically a Leia metal bikini. Yeah, basically like that. Yeah, because it's like an Arabian type motif. And so she's standing there half naked and everything. And suddenly you see she slaps him. And as our main character gets up to find out what's going on, Hal propositioned her because back in his day, all the booth babes were hookers. Or he says they were all hookers. Yeah. I 100% guarantee not every booth babe in the old days of course was of course a sex worker. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, not that there's anything wrong with that. But yeah. then on top of that, he didn't even realize that cosplay had become a thing. And that was a fan, a fan that it was actually a big fan of his work that he just treated like crap. But of course, he gets over it pretty quick and moves on because he doesn't care. Yeah. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, okay, you're talking about comic creators. Talking about this. This is from the criminal book. How does this fit into the world of criminal? And it fits in there because, yes, of course, a crime does happen. This particular creator, Hal Crane, believes that somebody stole his artwork and he's decided that weekend that he's going to steal it back. And, of course, he ropes in the handler to help him. And the handler just happens to know one of the people from the Lawless family. The Lawless family, which is like kind of a presence in the criminal series. There's a number of stories that focus on members of the Lawless family. And there's also a number of issues where they're just passing through. So they're kind of like the Jay and Silent Bob of the criminal world in the sense that all things tie through them. And so, of course, a Lawless had to make an appearance in this story. I've always been a big fan. It's become like a thing. It's become like a little bit of a niche over the past I'd say 10 years where people tell these stories about comic creators trying to steal back their art. There's been a few different comics, the con job, and there's a couple other ones. The idea of comic creators saying, fuck it, I want my art back and I'm going to 
pull a heist to steal it. And it's a fun story that we've been reading in comics, but who knows, it may just end up happening if it hasn't happened already. And they do make it impossible to root for this old man. Yeah. Because we also find out as part of his backstory, he stole other people's art for like booze and hooker money. Yeah. Oh, and drugs, but probably primarily booze and hookers and gambling, gambling debts. Yeah. So it's very much in one breath, you find out something like, oh, this poor old man. And then, oh, no, he's the worst. And, and that's what I like doing about that this. every other panel. It's like, oh, he's talking to a fan. Oh, he propositioned them. Oh, he's trying to steal his art back. Oh, by the way, how does he know about stealing art? Because he was known like in the office for the guy you don't leave your cells out around because your desk would be clean. Yeah, and cleaner than bones on episode of Hot Ones. <laughs> after you walk by, oh, you had to bring up Hot Ones. I, but anyways, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like about this is that at no point does Brubaker and Phillips try to make this character redeemable and that's because sometimes in life no matter what the situation there's just some people who just are shit this is why I think slash hope this character is inspired by multiple people because if there's one dude or multiple hashtag not all men individuals one individual that's this bad that Brubaker met during their time working for probably one of the bigs not the smalls but who knows that person should be locked up like i'm hoping that the attributes of the hal crane character are made up based on story and also multiple people's wrongdoings and not that there's actually one human that he knew that was capable of all these things although on like my second read through it was definitely you know sometimes when you read something you just feel like this it it reads so easy and it feels like this character is too almost too fully fleshed like they're coming through the page in a way that feels like especially with this person a bad touch (laughs) it's like i i would like to know if i could ask brubaker any like one thing off the record i'd like to know if this was based on like just one human being because it kind of felt like it like had some one person had done all of these things yeah Yeah. no no, i can totally see that totally see that and it's funny because your main character jacob he's not he he's like kind of like neither good nor bad you know what i mean like he's very much like a hollow vessel like when we read jacob jacob is primarily an observer like we get some messages about like some some information about him he hasn't had the greatest life and he stepped away from comics and even though hal's treated him like shit and he thinks hal's an awful human being he's still always in his heart the boy that fell in love with hal crane's art so he can't not be there for him but other than that he pretty much just kind of is just our window into how batshit crazy and how much of a garbage human being Hal Crane is. And how mean he is. Because he also told Jacob, you know, your life dream, give it up, you're terrible. Yeah, and it was something he just said kind of nonchalantly. Too blitzed out of his mind to remember even. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's got, there is a moment in the book where because of Jacob's love for Hal's art that he tries to give like this redeeming tale within the story to kind of try to make the reader go, oh no, he's not that bad of a guy. And it has to do with one special night where Hal gets gets a little bit of a twinkle in his eyes and starts showing Jacob the amazing work that he never released. And he really gets into it. And that is what he's looking for 
in this this adventure, this little heist. He believes that someone stole it from him, and that's what he's going for. Now, of course, like in most stories like this, the heist goes wrong. There are some consequences of the story, but... And it's not really a heist. It's a series of his violent or socially awkward, in the case of his daughter, interactions with people. Yeah, but the saying, one... where's the, my stuff? But the one break-in that... Yeah, they bring in an outside guy yeah. to do the work. It's a heist that ends up becoming far much more of a situation because the guy's there and Hal doesn't want to abandon the opportunity to get his art back. So what originally goes like, well, it's a harmless crime. I'm stealing my art back. Nobody's going to be home. It'll just look like somebody broke in. If, if there's other valuables gone, it will also look like a break in. No harm, no foul. It's not like it's going to ruin this person's life to, oh, they're there. Time to, you know, bag them, tag them and do like a very traumatic situation for the owner of the house that could end up going very wrong for everyone involved. But hey, let me risk it because I've come this far and I'm not the greatest character in the world. So yeah, it's it like it, even though it is a series of escalation and really unplanned and unforeseen events, it is still the trope or the formula of a heist in a story. And the fact that it's sloppy and it's kind of all over the place is what makes it stand out and is more interesting, in my opinion. Yeah. I didn't see it as a heist, more of like a ill-planned revenge. Oh, well, it's, Ill, it's ill-conceived. It's totally because, ill-conceived. you know, there's also the, you know, threatens the dude in the bathroom, the daughter stuff. Like, he doesn't remember, and it's like, we don't realize until, like, the second or third attempt. He truly doesn't know. But he goes at each suspect in a very, I want to say, police-type way of, like, I have no proof, but I'm assuming you're guilty, and I'm going to physically threaten you, break into your home. Right. Well, the first two ones. Punch you you in the face. Like you mentioned, the punch in the bathroom and the interaction with his daughter. Those were violently. Punch at gunpoint. Yes. (laughs) Violently aggressive situations that he brought upon those people. But neither one's neither one of those was planned. The one later, there was an actual like, okay, we're gonna go on this date, we're gonna get this, we're gonna go in there, we're gonna get this stuff. That's when I say the heist. I think the other two events are kind of like the lead up. The well those two didn't go well and they didn't mm-hmm. I didn't get what I want. So now it's time to go all out and try this heist, you know? Yeah. But by the time you get to the heist, we already know even if this person has it, they bought it from somebody else who he thinks stole it yeah so again this bitter disgusting person has ruined their life ruined their relationships professional and personal and has decided they are entitled to get back something that by the time we get to the break-in i'm thinking they may have even legitimately just sold for gambling or booze money when they were drunk Mm. even if this person has it like yeah they are there's unreliable narrators and then there's this dude's telling of the events of what happened to him yeah you can definitely take everything that Hal Crane says with a pinch of salt because he's not 100% sure of his past at all you're right about that of course the artwork is the classic Sean Phillips style which this is something I noticed with some characters and I've noticed it with uh, this one here the character of Jacob kind of looks like Sean Phillips he does that with some of his characters that they end up kind of having the same face as him and I feel like Jacob looks like a slightly younger 
Sean Phillips. Um, but as always, the expressions are interesting. He has a, a an innate way of capturing the darker side of people. Or a slightly of, older Jacob Phillips. Or a slightly older Jacob yeah. Phillips. <laughs> yeah. One of the, yeah, with the name Jacob. But then, yeah, yeah. Who knows? yeah, those Phillips boys. They, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. The father, the son, they both yeah. kind of have a similar look. You're right. But yeah, he has this way of capturing with certain characters. Like when you look at how Crane, there's almost like a maniacal intent in his eyes. Like oh, his can... face is great. It's so beleaguered. Yeah. It's just and you can beleaguered see, and like, bedraggled. And you can see in his expressions most times there's a hint of dementia. <laughs> you know? There's a hint of like, I've lost it. So there's like moments in the drawings that he looks like your typical like Walter Matthau, grumpy old man type look. And then there's moments where he looks like, yeah, I, I could kill you where you stand. And also just like all around Dick Moose. Yeah. Accepts this free trip to the convention. Doesn't show up for any of his obligations. Boozing it up. Eventually like gets caught and like briefly dragged over to the signing table is then butthurt that there isn't a line. It's like, sir, you've a hundred percent done this at other shows. Yeah. And people have the good sense to know if you're not there at your point in time, you're probably not showing up at all. Or if you do, you'll be drunk and mean and shows up and then still leaves early. Like just the entitlement. And yes, you were hard done by uh, the industry. And so is every single other creator ever. Yeah. So, but you taking your frustration out on every individual you interact with and ruining dreams, hopes, and lives and probably giving a few people some STDs. Like, I just, I really enjoyed hating this old man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never rooted against a character so much. Like, my happy ending was his unhappy ending. Yeah. That's yeah, like, <laughs> That that Bugs Bunny me good yeah, <laughs> and or Donald Glover yeah yeah good good this is it's what you deserve oh man yeah, yeah about two thirds of the way in I was praying for him to not get what he wanted and I was happy yeah no no I I agree with you on that it was that, deeply satisfying yeah it's a character that you don't want to see get his way and I think it's great that they made that character because there's there's so many creators that would have popped in a redeeming story to say, well, this, this is what's really, he really wasn't a terrible guy. There was this and he did this for somebody or whatever. And then at the end, you kind of hope that they get their thing and they get their thing. Like it's, it's easy to turn this, you know, turn into an Ebenezer Scrooge type story, you know, learns the error of their ways and gets the happy ending. But instead they stuck to the guns and they're like, no, this guy is a piece of shit. And he doesn't win anything. He doesn't get anything. That's it. You know, it's what he deserves. I love this. I love this. I love this about this story. Yeah, totally. I'm trying to check here. I think it might have won um, some awards besides I, my heart. I'm thinking so. I'm thinking it might have. You know, I can't find anything saying that Bad Weekend won an Eisner, but it feels like it should have, in my opinion. But then again, Brew Baker and Phillips, how many Eisners have they freaking won? They've they've done a number of things together that have uh, have won the Eisner. So they are an Eisner award-winning creative team. So I'm not sure. There's a possibility that this may have won. I can't find concrete proof online for best graphic novel or anything like that. And the thing was, this series, the the criminal series, they you know usually they did 
miniseries. But this particular criminal series, they decided, no, we're going to do multiple stories in an ongoing series format. They did 12 issues. And some of the best work they've done is in those 12 issues. But because everything else is very much like, hey, here's here's a, a miniseries, here's a graphic novel, this kind of gets lost in the fray, except for these two issues. These two particular issues get attention because somebody had the sense to go, hey, let's take these two and repackage them as a graphic novel. And because of that, it was a hit. Like, as I said, it was sold at the, the San Diego Comic-Con, a big during convention season. Like, the last big San Diego Comic-Con until this past one was Bad Weekend's Coming Out Party. It's kind of amazing how us as comic fans, we revel in good stories like this, but we also, we are fascinated with creators from the past and how even their their horror stories or who the ones that have overcome great obstacles we've painted in our heads the heroes and the villains of the behind the scenes of the comic book world for decades so it's like stories like this just automatically to a comic fan we eat them up i bet also as somebody in the industry who's worked with and for some of these more, I'm going to say morally dark charcoal gray at best people took deep satisfaction in reading a story like this. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Like so many people I'm sure were able to pick us up and see bits of people they'd worked for and have fantasy of pre end of life for those individuals as bitter, lonely, impoverished, and just making every mistake and still not getting what they want. It is truly delightful as a story, but especially about a, a story about the industry. And right now, more than ever, we all occasionally hear something and have to suffer with the, do I still continue to enjoy this thing? Can I separate the art from the artist? And this is one of those stories that gives you a way to do and understand that I can still enjoy the thing. I can still participate in activities that celebrate the thing and understand that perhaps one or two of the people who were part of the creation of this thing were absolute trash bags. Yeah. And that's just the way things are, but also gives you that kind of mental happy ending of while I might still enjoy this content, I know that this person ultimately is due for a bad end and it, it lets you almost enjoy it more. It, there's yeah. no more guilt in that pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, man. Well, thankfully... As far as we know, the creators of Criminal and all the great stories that have come out of it, Brubaker and Phillips, there's nothing that's been said bad about those guys. So it's good to hear a story from them where they have, use, as you said, put into context how we can enjoy people's work without endorsing the person, so to speak. And one of the things they did with the art and the color, like in the last couple of pages, it's almost drawn like it's telling you a happy ending. Yeah. Like, so most of the first two acts of the book, the colors are almost as if an old drunk left their panels out and spilled or it was on like a sticky table. Like you have smears of the kind of um, violets and other reds and the other colors that sort of are used to signify like we're moving through a blurry space because it's like a corrupted memory of this creepy old dude yeah and then the last few pages are like very very crispy mm -hmm. no, so totally. 
and that was where because there it is a bit of like it's not high high stakes suspense it's sort of mid stakes suspense this old man isn't you know mission impossible and into somebody's apartment they you know engage a professional criminal he's hired jacob because of his relationship with other criminals he's not looking to do heavy wet work himself this Mm. isn't like a you know liam neeson situation yeah he wants it easy to just go in, stroll up to somebody and like demand to, and he's not offering compensation. He wants to yeah. like steal his work back, even if the person is like a third party who bought it from somebody else. And yeah. so all through the most of the story, we're seeing the same art style, but it's just kind of just smeared with his mess. And then at the end, when it gets really crispy, like that was when I was like also a little little bit worried like oh no is he gonna get like no he's not gonna get his happy ending but it's like because he's out of the story at that point and we're just hearing about it from jacob yeah like we're getting at least a clear rendition of what's happening yeah and it's very like you get that second last page of you know the boxes boxes of text it's probably one of the wordiest pages and well because yeah like jacob as i said the entire time he's kind of in just the vessel the person for the reader to look to see what's happening there our our entry into the story those last few pages jacob officially becomes the star of the story and we find out so much of his intentions and position and why he's acted certain ways throughout the story and now to finally see that i'll reveal of course yeah you get the exposition you get all that it's not an about face to the story but it is definitely like a bit of a left turn to go like hey bam look at this weren't thinking about that were you and is jacob even a good guy in relation to Hal? sure but yeah it's criminal there are no good guys yeah yeah he's uh less terrible varying shades of gray that's what it is yeah yeah he's still hired to be his handler but isn't handling him is still watching him threaten people and is like barely stopping him is just stopping him from doing things that might land jacob in jail not Mm. stopping him from harming or threatening people if you would look at the cover of this and read sort of the first few pages you would think this is gonna be you know the you know old man vengeance story but it's really the younger man's schadenfreude story yeah there you go. I think that's uh, the best way to explain it right there. <laughs> <laughs> I just love hating this old man. I know, I know. But that's the thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun to hate somebody in a story. And that's what makes Ooh. the story good, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you should definitely, if you get the chance, check out Bad Weekend. It's available uh I believe through comiXology, although that might be difficult. Um, also, if you are somebody that's a fan of the entire criminal series, it's issues two and three of the 2019 series that was 12 issues long from Image Comics. Uh, so definitely track it down, check it out. It was one of those really cool gems just before the, the world closed up shop for a couple of years. So, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And reading this reminded me there's more reasons than a plague to not want to go to a con. There you yeah. go. But if you go into a convention, be safe in all, all ways that you can and have fun. Definitely. Well, we've come to the end of another episode of Back to Your Bloodbath. Petula, where can people find you? At inatif.com, on Twitter at obesacantawit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T, and here with you. Of course, you find everything I do over at geekcardshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at geekcard. Follow this very show 
on Facebook at Backish Bloodbath, where we post a new episode every week. And if you want to just make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice and uh, never miss one. Just give it a listen every time it drops and, you know, tell your friends about it. Maybe post about it on social media. And uh, hey, hey, maybe even send us an email at geekartshow at gmail.com. Tell us what you think of the episode. Tell us maybe some suggestions of what you'd like to hear us talk about next. Or maybe just say hey or to say, hey, I really like a certain host's voice. Because we get emails like that, too. All right, <laughs> come to the end of another back issue of Bath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Patula Neal. Have yourself a good. Good.